Uh, we've been talking the last uh, few weeks about being engaged, and uh, hopefully uh, this has been a, a good little series for you. I know it's been good for me. Uh, we talked, uh, I think, two weeks ago about being engaged in prayer, and we looked at uh, Habakkuk's prayer when really it was just a, just a cry from, the, from, from his gut to, to the Lord in, in his time of need. And then we looked at Daniel and Nehemiah's prayer. Uh, their prayers as they uh, presented their requests to God, we noticed a, a, a template or a pattern there of adoration, confession, the petition, or excuse me, the basis for their petition, and then their request. So it would look something like, God, you are so great. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I confess I fall short and I am afraid sometimes. And Lord, your word says that we should not be afraid. And so, on the basis of, of your word saying we should not be afraid, and you tell me that you'll never leave me and never forsake me, would you help me to sense your presence and go through this day? So, that's, that, that would be adoration, confession, the petition, we're claiming one of God's promises, and then give our request. So, then last week we were talking about being engaged in worship. Uh, we talked about um, worship being uh, just declaring the goodness and the greatness and the glory of God, giving, um, giving worth to the one who is worthy, and uh, not, taking, not taking credit for our, uh, things ourselves, but acknowledging God, not creating the things that are created, but instead uh, worshiping the Creator. And we talked about corporate worship, which is what we're doing together this morning. We come together and we worship Him together uh, for, for a common experience. We talked about personal time of worship, when we just spend time alone with God by ourselves, acknowledging who He is, studying His Word. And then we talked about what I called air-breathing worship, which means if you're breathing, you're worshiping, and so who will we choose to worship? And we want to choose to worship uh, the creator of the world, uh, our God. So this morning, we're going to talk about uh, engaging through service. And uh, we've got, a, we've got a, a church that loves to serve. Do you agree to that? Is it just me? <laughs> From where I stand, we have a church that loves to serve. And so, uh, this morning, we're actually going to take actually quite a while to get to this point that we should be serving um, and, and looking at really, the bottom line is, why do we serve? Why do we serve? So, let's, let's pray. We're going to uh, jump into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much uh, for uh, just your love and your mercy, and uh, we just, we worship you this morning. We look forward to the day when we will be with you, uh, and, and Lord, until then, uh, we want to uh, be a church that loves you, that loves each other, that loves the world around us, and that serves you. And so help us to see that from your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be kind of in a bunch of different places uh, in, in the Scripture this morning. So, you can, you can uh, we'll have it on the screen, or you can uh, go from passage to passage as we, as we look at it. Uh, but uh, a verse we looked at last week was Psalm 46, verse 10. So, we're going to start there. A bit of a reminder from last week. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So we talked about there's this, this command coupled with two promises. The command is to be still. Just take a deep breath and be still. And, and when we are still, even if we're not still, the scripture says, I will be 
exalted. And so the promise from God is that he will be exalted. And when we're talking about service this morning, we want to serve the Lord, we want to make his name great. Well, God's word says he will be exalted uh, among the nations and in the earth. So when we, when we see a scripture verse where God's speaking and he says, I will, then we can take that to the bank. This is God giving us a promise. This is what he will do. He will be exalted. It's not like when we say to each other, well, I will do this for you. I'm sorry, I will not do that ever again. Anybody ever been let down? Okay, that's that's not who our God is. Our God is one who keeps his promise. He is a promise keeper. And that's, that's what we're going to focus on for this first bit. God's, can we count on God's promises to us? Numbers chapter 23, verse uh, 19. This is uh, the prophet uh, Balaam. He's making a pro- proclamation to Balak. He says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He's saying God's not like us. We don't always tell the truth. We don't always, uh, we, we waver. We're back and forth. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Has God said he would do something and then he didn't do it? No. Has God, uh, has God changed his mind? Oh, well, no. We have a God when, when he speaks, we can trust him. When he gives us his word, we can believe it. Uh, in the Old Testament, we have the account of Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abraham and, and Sarah, you know, God came to him and said, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to uh, uh, make a great nation from you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing to the world. Abraham was 75 years old when God came and told him that. His wife, Sarah, was 65. No kids. So how's God going to make a great nation out of a uh, 65-year-old woman and a 75-year-old man? Uh, Isaac, which was the promised offspring, was born 25 years later. Abraham at 100, Sarah at 90. So in in Genesis chapter 12, we're not turning there this morning, verses 1 through 3, you can read the first time that God came and promised to Abraham, I will give you an offspring, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, I will give you this land, I will bless you. And then in Genesis chapter 15, uh, the, the, the covenant as we call it is renewed. In Hebrews, it's referred to as an oath. And, and so we're going we're gonna to look in Hebrews chapter 6 uh, for a couple minutes about what, what he, the writer of Hebrews says about this interaction between God and Abraham. So God says to Abraham, uh, surely I will bless you, I will multiply you. Abraham from the age of 75 till the age of 100 had to wait though. Uh, so uh, this, is, this is what happened. And in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 17... There, he's, he's talking about uh, this, this account of Abraham and Sarah. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, so he wants to convince Abraham and Sarah, he wants to show more convincingly that his promise was true, he wanted to show them uh, to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. 
That's what I was just describing. He told him in chapter 12, uh, you're going to have a son, and he came back to him sometime later. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 15. Told him the same thing. Look, Abraham, you are going to have a son. Uh, So he did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. As we just read in Numbers, it's impossible for God to lie. We're seeing it again. So the two things that God gave him, his character, he gave him the first promise, and then he uh, gave it to him again in an oath in chapter 15. But look now as we continue in verse 18. This is for us. We who have fled for refuge might become strong we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So, in the same way that God gave Abraham the promise and then he reaffirmed it in an oath, we can take what God says to us. We're the ones who have fled for refuge in in Christ. We have admitted that we were sinners in need of a Savior. And and now we might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that that, uh, we just sung about, this morning, this hope for a future day. And it says uh, in verse 19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. I love this little phrase, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. God's promises to us should be a sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. We, the, in, when we sang, we're, we're singing about the fears that we have. When we're afraid, we go to God's Word, and it is a strong and steadfast anchor for our soul. So let's, let's see how it turned out for Abraham. Paul wrote about Abraham and Sarah as well in Romans chapter 4. Uh, and this is what he says about uh, Abraham. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old or when he considered the bareness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. So here's Abraham, 100 years old, maybe he's in his 90s, no son. Sarah's getting older, and it says he didn't waver in his faith, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. We talked last week about worshiping God, giving glory to God in all that we do, his faith strengthened. Verse 21, this this would be a good definition. What is faith? Faith is being fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Do we believe that this morning? That God can do what he has promised. Do you like how I said that? God can do what he has, do you like that? No, don't like that. God will do what he has promised, right? Is that what we're reading this morning? God will do what he has promised. 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. All through his word, we are reminded that God is a faithful God. He will do what he said he will do. We're going to look at a couple more. I want to make sure we're clear on this this morning. Isaiah chapter 14, God speaking through the prophet Isaiah, prophesying about the fall and destruction of Babylon. And in Isaiah 24, 14, it says, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. 
as God has planned, that's the way it's going to be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. If God has a plan, if God has a purpose, then that's how it's going to be. He will see it out in that way. His plans and purposes won't be thwarted. He will see them through. Isaiah chapter 46, uh, he's comparing the, the gods of Babylon to himself, the one true God. And in, in uh, Isaiah 46, verses 8 through 11, he says, remember this and stand firm, recall it to mind, you trans- transgressors. So he's saying, look, we need to be reminded of these things. That's what we're doing this morning. We are reminding ourselves of some things. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Do you believe that this morning? You, you, you have a heart, you have something in your life that you're struggling with today? God will accomplish his purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man, the man of my counsel from a far country, listen to what he says, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. These, are, these are, are comforting words for us this morning. Isaiah says, uh, I, God told Isaiah to say, remember this, stand firm, recall it to mind. So we're recalling some of these things to mind. If God purposes something, then it will happen. If God says he will do something, then he will do it. And this, I think it's particularly comforting with all the things going on in the world, especially what's going on in, in Europe right now and concerns, how is this gonna turn out? Uh, did anybody on, was it Wednesday morning, the power went out, Thursday morning? Anybody think EMP? You know, like all, the whole county has no power. So here's some, here's some things, two things I think we're seeing from these verses. God is trustworthy. Do you believe that? If he says it, then it's true. Uh, The other thing that I think we're seeing is that God is able. If he says it, then he will do it. You seen that with me this morning? All right, so what does this have to do with serving the Lord, right? Well, I think we're going to kind of switch gears. I want to lay that foundation. We're going to switch gears towards serving, and we're going to see that every single child of God that's been saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ should be serving the Lord in some capacity. We looked at Romans 12, verse 1. We were reminded that because of all the things that God has done for us, it is reasonable that we would serve Him and we would worship Him. So like I said at the beginning, I think we've got a pretty good group here this morning, a group of people that love to serve the Lord, that are active in serving the Lord in a variety of ways. Uh, So I just want to look at um, just a couple of things to encourage us this morning. The first thing is everyone is called to serve. Everyone. If If you're hearing my voice, if you are a follower of Christ, then you are called to serve. So Ephesians chapter 2, if you haven't been turning in your Bibles, this would be a good passage to turn to. Uh, We've got several verses here that we want to look at. 
And uh, as I was looking at this this, uh, this week, I realized, man, I have read maybe more than any passage in the last year and a half on a Sunday morning. I, I've probably read this one at least three or four times. I'm going to read it again this morning. I think it's so important that we understand uh, these things. And uh, I, th- I think probably I only gave these guys to, to v- starting in verse 4, but we're going to roll back. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And this isn't so much about serving, but this is just about what God has done for us, and we need to be reminded of it. So it says, and you, this is all of us, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. At one point, we were just doing our own thing. We were living for ourselves. Uh, looking out for number one was our primary concern. Uh, we, we, we thought we could answer to nobody and be okay. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we might show, excuse me, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is what God has done for us. We were sinners, and he, but God in his mercy, with his grace, he saved us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. We have been saved by God, it is a gift from him to us, not because of the good things that we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us, he has saved us. And I think it's important to just highlight that when, we, when we're going to talk about serving the Lord. We can get confused of why we serve God. And so this, uh, this passage here makes it very clear to us that God saved us by His grace through our faith. It's not because of the good things we've done be- that we've been saved. He gave us this gift of salvation. And, and now look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So our good works don't save us, but we have been created to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, last week we talked about being created to worship. This week we're seeing uh, from the scriptures that we are created for good works. When, when, when we... Uh, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become a new creation, and that new creation is created to do good works. Not just anything, though. Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God beforehand prepared good things that you would do for him. Is that comforting to know? Do you ever just wonder, man, I don't know what I should do? God's got a plan for you. God's got a plan for me. Are we walking in it? 
It says they're prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sometimes we just need to say, God, am I doing the things that you've asked me to do? Am I doing the things that you have called me to do? I want to walk in the things that you have for me as your word has said. So we have been saved by grace, through faith. It's a gift from God so that we could do good works. All right, so, I, so the, this, this, this point I'm making is that we are everyone. Every one of us is called to serve the Lord in some way, uh, shape, or form. So here's the second thing, though. God, first thing, everyone's called to do to serve. The comforting thing is God's prepared the things for us to do, and he wants us to walk in them. So it's not just that we can do anything. God has things for us to do. And then God does the work through us. Yeah, we got to get up in the morning. We got we to do it. But it is God working in us. He planned, ahead of us. he planned ahead of time what we would do, what he would have for us. And then he works through us to do it. Uh, A.W. Tozer said this, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. I'm going to look at Philippians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. And you, you might be, this might be a verse that you have memorized. Before I read it, let me recap some of these verses that we looked at. God does not lie. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. As I have planned, so shall it be. I will accomplish my purpose, God says. I have spoken. I will bring it to pass. These are the things that God has said to us. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God working in us. It doesn't say God may work in us. God could work in us. It says that God, it is God who works in you, who works in me. God, if you are a follower of Christ, God is working in you. This is, this is one of the promises What are we reminding ourselves? He doesn't lie. If he said it, he'll do it. If he said it, he's able to do it. So this this verse says, God is working in us in two ways, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. To will in your mind, to give you the desire. God gives us the desire to serve him, and then he gives us the ability to go do it. It is uh, sometimes about perspective, though. So I would, I would argue that you could watch two people serving side by side, one just doing it on their own, and the other one, uh, God working in them to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, so, so what's the difference? You got up this morning, and you're getting ready for church, and you realize, is it our turn to work in the nursery again? 
Like, weren't we just in there a couple weeks ago? I bet the Jones kids will be there again this week. It's just chaos while they're here, right? So this person uh, has committed to serve the Lord, committed to serve the Lord in the nursery, taking care of the precious little ones. Is this what God's looking for? So how do, we, how do we turn this around? How do we do this in a way that it is not us just being there fulfilling a duty, but it's us being there, God working in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So instead we get up in the morning and we start to think that way and we correct our thinking because our thinking should guide our feelings, right? Our feelings don't guide our thinking, our thinking guides our feelings. And we say, thank you God for another opportunity to love these little ones. Thank you for giving me the chance to tell these little ones that God loves them. Thank you for uh, allowing me this morning to to give a mother and and a father the ability to go to the service knowing that their little ones are being taken care of. Please bring every single one that needs to know that you love them this morning. Okay, so you get, either way, you have two people up in the nursery. One's like, oh man, I can't believe it's my turn again. And the other one is like, I have an opportunity to serve God this morning. And they might walk in, be standing side by side, and you might not be, mom, dad dropping the kid off, might not know which one's thinking which. But God knows, doesn't he? And we can laugh about that, and, and maybe um, I can, you know, I use that as an illustration because when, the, when our boys were little, uh, we were regular nursery uh, workers, and uh, I probably had both attitudes at times. But you can take, you know, we laugh or whatever, but you can take uh, whatever, whatever form of service that you are in and apply the same thinking to it whether it's singing in the choir, whether it's uh, uh, working across the street at the Hope Center, whether it is working with the youth on Wednesday nights, whether, I mean, there's, there's so many things that we do for the Lord, but depending on why we're there and what our attitude is, sometimes we're just checking a box. We're just fulfilling a duty, and then sometimes we're there serving the Lord. Do you see the difference with me this morning? So continuing here in Philippians chapter 2, God works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So we kind of gave a deal, that's the nursery illustration. Are you there grumbling and complaining, even if it's only on the inside? Or are you there blameless and innocent because this is another opportunity for you to serve your Lord? Makes all the difference in the world. We kind of get confused sometimes that you're, you're here to uh, help uh, uh, Pastor Daryl miss Pat with the kids on Wednesday night, or you're here to help Pastor Peter with the youth, or you're, you're here to help, uh, you're here for the church to welcome people on a Sunday morning. We welcome people into God's house because we love our God and we want people to feel welcome, 
when they are uh, coming into a house that, that bears his name. We were working on Wednesday night with the kids because we want a generation to know that there is a God in heaven who loves them and cares for them and wants to have a relationship with them. So two people might be doing the same thing, but all depending on your attitude and your perspective, you may be serving the Lord, you may be just checking a box. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God gets the glory when we come in excited to serve Him because of what He's done for us. If, if you're a little discouraged and you're thinking, man, I can't believe it, I'm up again, it's my turn again to do whatever your ministry is, read Ephesians chapter 2. Be reminded of of what God saved you from and what He has saved you to. Because of what He has done for you, we come and we worship Him through serving Him. If we focus on what we are doing or what we have to do, we're working. If our focus is on God to give Him glory, to make Him look good, It might look like work on the outside, but on the inside, that's our worship to our God. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. There's not one of us here that deserved it. But we've received this gift that we didn't deserve. Because of what you've done for us, Lord, we want to serve you. We want to worship you through our service. We want to serve you so that others will come to know who you are, that they would experience the the love and the mercy and, and your grace in the same way that we have experienced it. Maybe maybe you're here this morning with your heads bowed and you thought, man. Uh, he was reading from that book of Ephesians and that first part described me more than the second part. I invite you this morning to just come to the front after the service uh, and, uh, and meet with one of our elders who would love to, to pray with you and, and talk with you about how you could have a relationship with Jesus. It's, it's as simple as uh, just admitting that you're a sinner, that you've fallen short recognizing that that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. He died for my sins. He died for the sins of the world. And when we believe that, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, but that he was uh, uh, risen again on the third day, and we have this new life. And we have an eternal hope, everlasting life, the scripture calls it. We've been born again, we've been, we've been made a new creation so that we can serve God. And maybe, maybe you have uh, accepted Jesus your Savior and you've been doing a lot of things, but it hasn't really been worship to God, it's been more obligation. You come forward this morning, even now as, uh, as, as Peter plays, to talk, one, talk to one of the elders and just say, look, will you pray with me? Will you pray for me as I seek to make my service to the Lord worship instead of obligation? And then maybe you're here this morning thinking, man, uh, um, Jesus died for me. 
He's my savior. I love God. I'm just really not doing anything for him right now. Maybe you need to come and say, hey, what's, what's going on in the church? How could I be involved? We've been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do that we would walk in them. Lord, my prayer this morning is that we would all be found faithful in that today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read from Hebrews chapter 13, this benediction. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that that the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.